keys, tackle box in my hand Gonna cast a few lines with my toes in the sand Pulling in a big catch makes me feel like a man But the wife, she just don't understand I love walleye, perch, trout and bass And if you don't like fishing, you can kiss my four-stroke right in the back Cause the fishes all tremble at the thought of me When I'm fishing for bun in country Great way to start the week. We're going to hear from Dwayne Peterson, outstanding angler and a National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Famer. And, of course, he and his brother John started Northland Fishing Tackle years ago. In addition to that, another good question for the aquatic biologist. We're talking Asian carp. It's all coming up on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Well, it's always a pleasure when we get to chat with Dwayne Peterson, one of the great guys in the fishing realm, uh, of course, uh, one of the founders of Northland Fishing Tackle, and now, Dwayne, as we've mentioned a few times, enjoying the retired life. I'm enjoying it immensely, I'll tell you that. It's uh, nice to get up in the morning and not have to go to the office. I can uh, have an extra cup of coffee and make a decision what I'm going to do for the day and and uh, not do anything if I, if I feel like it. <laughs> Well, I don't think there's too many days you're not doing anything. I know you love to get out and fish, and of course you're a big fan of uh, lumberjack basketball over the years, so uh, you've been pretty busy with a, a couple of those things. Um, but fishing is what we're talking about today, and, and Dwayne, um, it's from everything I've been hearing all year and people I've been talking to, sure sounds like it's been a pretty good year to get out and get some fishing in. Oh, that's for sure. I think we've had a... A great start to our fishing season, you know. And the, the walleye open was a little bit later this year than we're used to, but uh, we adapted to that early, that early warm up and that early spring, and then things kind of stabilized, and we ended up with a more traditional type uh, fishing season. But across the board, I think with uh, with the walleye fishing, the, the pike, the, the panfish, uh, bluegill crappie, and all of those species, I think, have been been very active. I've had I've had a lot of crappies and bluegills stay for a long time along the shoreline where I live, and and uh, they just they they lingered for some reason. I think it was because the water cooled back down a little bit, and and the walleye fishing, you know, throughout the area, we we like that extended shallow water walleye bite that. Is conducive to jig fishing, and we had we had an extended uh, jig fishing season this year. Yeah, and and uh, the bite continues again on on most lakes. I'm hearing, you know, you can find walleyes. Uh, doesn't seem to be that difficult to do. The the walleyes are always a little picky sometimes, but by and large, the walleye season continues to shine. But the bass season, and and I think part of it is I just uh, there's just more and more people out bass fishing. But I keep hearing great bass reports. Well, we've, you know, as you well know, we've been proponents of of the bass fishing uh, in our area for for many many years. It's been one of my passions, and and my boys, of course, love to bass fish. But it it continues to get better and better and better. And I don't know if it's the aging of our lakes or or the you know the influx of additional people to the sport. But uh, and of course, catch and release has got a lot to do with that too. But uh, the largemouth fishing throughout the area, whether you're talking Brainerd or Alex or Park Rapids or Bemidji or even Grand Rapids in that way, it's a huge largemouth bass uh, populace, and just about every lake has some, and 
and people are pursuing them. And, and of course, smallmouth have, have really prospered as well in a lot of our lakes that, was, that we didn't have smallmouth in, you know, 15, 20 years ago, and they're they're prospering and showing up in the in the big lakes as well. You know, you see what's happened to Mille Lacs and, and the smallmouth that are, are developing a presence in Leech Lake and, and ultimately in Cass Lake. Uh, so yes, it's uh, it's it's a uh, it's a growing sport, that's for sure. You know, Jay and Dwayne, uh, I've been doing this show for, as you well know, for a long time. As you you guys helped uh, spearhead this thing and get it going, and been such great helps to to me over the years. Um, but when I first started, I mean, basically, you guys were the only guys who told me about bass fishing. Everybody else was talking walleyes. And now this next generation of guides that I talk to, there's a lot more of them that are, that are uh, pushing bass and, and getting out there and catching a lot of bass. Absolutely. And I, I think that just, you know, developed with time. And, and I think the younger, this Generation 3 that I call them, and even Generation 2, they, they're, they're more diverse in their pursuit of, of an entire fishery. They're going to they're gonna pursue what's biting. Uh, they've taught their clients and their family and their friends to to uh, wallow in the, the fish species that are biting. And they, the walleye's the king. There's no doubt about it. We'll never dispute that. But there are so many species that exist in our lakes that surround us here that we're blessed with. And and uh, I think these guys are learning that, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's pursue, pursue something today that, that is a little more cooperative than, you know, than three, four walleyes are on a, on a hot, calm, still day in, in one of our walleye lakes. So yes, I think uh, I think the uh, the time has has uh, generated a more diverse fishery that's being pursued by more people than in the past. I and mean, musky fishing has grown by leaps and bounds, and and uh, almost at the same pace as the panfish and bass fisheries. You know, that's that's the other thing. I'm talking to guides that now, like Kevin Cochran, is the prime example here in the Bemidji area. Isaac or Isaiah Hahn over in the Park Rapids area, you know, they, 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 they're focusing on muskies a lot with their guide clients. We've, I've talked to guys that they're pretty much panfish guides. That's what they do. And, uh, and, and obviously guys that are doing bass. So there's, there's getting to be um, uh, that realization, as you just said, of, of more diversity, and it's allowing um, some specialization with guides that just didn't exist a long time ago. Well, no, that's for sure. That's uh, very, very obvious. Or even people looking for perch you know mm-hmm. perch are, are a highly sought after species uh, in our area and we've got we've got beautiful perch fishing in in our lakes you know plantagenet bemidji uh winnie leech i mean all these lakes have got a, a nice population of perch and the guys are specializing in it and and uh and, and getting good catches so uh so yes the the diversity of our fisheries uh and that's a tribute to the the DNR fisheries and the, the way they've managed our fisheries, we've got we've got diversity. There's a lot of different species to pursue. There's a lot of different ways to catch them, and and the education that we're getting, uh, you know, via social media and instant response to fishing reports has has generated uh, a more success, I think, amongst our fishermen. But but the diversity is what we need in order to take you know intense pressure off a certain species and a certain bite that's going on at a certain time of the year you know uh last year we we heard good reports of uh big big increase in the uh in the uh, license sales and more people on the water fishing 
And everything I've heard this year is, the first of all, those sales maintained and even went up a little bit again this year. Uh, and most people I'm talking to are, are, are seeing more, still a lot more people than they have in the past on the water fishing. Are you seeing that where you're out? Yeah, yes, yes, for sure. We're seeing we're seeing traffic. Uh, we can tell by the landings, you know, the landings that, you know, in the past we could sneak into to, to catch a few bass in a remote lake and there will be two, three trailers there. Or, or you go to a, a uh, walleye lake. Uh, panfish lake that normally doesn't get a lot of pressure now we're seeing trailers there and and uh, so the traffic is up there there's no doubt about that and, but i think not only are the license sales up but i think we've got people that are staying closer to home kevin because of you know the canadian border being shut down and they can't get to their cabins and and i know we we make several trips a year to rainy lake uh both the american and the canadian side and we haven't you know we haven't been up there in the last two years now and there's a lot of people like us that have have uh, stayed close to home. Well, you know what? In this area, that's that's not going to hurt your ability to catch fish. There's, you know, if you stay close to home here. No, I I agree with that. There's there's something going on all the time. You know, the the KC Walleye Tournament was was a lot of fun this year, and was evidence that uh, Lake Bemidji is is alive and well and healthy, and a lot of beautiful fish out there, and and uh, you know the same way with so many of the surrounding lakes, Big Turtle Chain and Plantagenet, Winnie has been good, Cass is producing good fish, and and Black Duck was good, Red Lake has been on and off a little bit, but that's still, it's still world class, you know? <laughs> you know, n- not everybody, nobody's going to agree with every decision made by, by the DNR or other organizations all of the time, uh, because we all have our own opinions about things, but by and large, you look at the results of, uh, of the work that's been done in our area, it's hard to argue with it. Yes, I I support that uh, wholeheartedly. The DNR is 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 loaded with uh, professional managers of, of of our species and and our waters, and I give them a lot of credit. and And they take a lot of heat, obviously, because we've all got uh, different priorities in mind. And uh, but for the most part, they manage the not only the fish and the waters. Uh, but they manage the people, and it's a huge job. And I, I'm, I'm grateful for their effort. That's for sure. So, um, you were a very good athlete growing up. You played baseball, and your kids played baseball. They were pretty good baseball players. Question is, if there had been high school fishing, would you guys have been playing baseball? Oh boy, I hope we could have done both. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, baseball was a huge part of my life as a kid. Not only. You know, growing up, but I, I played in in high school. It was a big part of my life. I played in college, and and really the the intensity with which I started to fish actually spawned a lot more after I finished my college career. But we did fish a lot even during those years. But uh, I would hope that uh, if we'd have had a, a fishing team and some competitive fishing back in my day, we'd have been we'd have been in there with both feet. <laughs> I tell you, that is something that uh, I talk to a lot of guys, you know, that are in their mid twenties now, that are they're in the industry and really love fishing, and they all say, "Yeah, I really wish I had, <laughs> had a team in my high school back when I was there." Well, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive, and it's it's growing our industry. That's for sure. The not only the high school leagues, but the college leagues, and the, the competitiveness that they're that they're experiencing, and and I have no clue. You know how they finance uh, some of the 
you know, the tournament involvement that they have, but they, they seem to be figuring it out, and the industry is helping a lot with, with support. Uh, but I think it's all good, and, and it's, it's growing. Uh, it's growing all our, our uh, fishing-related uh, sports, whether it's, you know, walleye or muskie or panfish or, or the specialization that they're getting with bass fishing. I think this bass fishing deal has grown amongst the young people because it's, it's active. It's, it's, they're in search, you know. They're, they're seeking out these fish in crooks and crannies, and it's, it's, you don't sit and wait for them. You go get them, and uh, the young people seem to like that. Well, and they're all uh, tech tech savvy and and social media savvy, and they like to take videos, and uh, there's nothing more exciting than a very aggressive bass uh, battle. Yeah, and, and you're right about social media. They YouTube and and the like has, has so many uh, active live current uh, shots of fish being caught in tournaments taking place. That uh, it's just the learning curve is is just sped up so much that these kids are so good at it. I see my own grandkids, you know, that are they're fishing at a level, you know, as young as they are at a level that I didn't fish at until I was, you know, in middle age. And they're fishing out of equipment that, that uh, is far better than I ever had at that age, and, uh, and their buddies are doing it too, you know. National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Famer Dwayne Peterson, my guest today. We've got a lot more to talk about with Dwayne later on in the show, but up next we check in with Dr. Andrew Hafes of Bemidji State University. It's time to Ask the Aquatic Biologist. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service. Are you looking to plan a fishing trip? Look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is your year-round destination for walleyes, pike, muskie, bass, perch, crappie, panfish, and more. With over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji, come take a cast of becoming a fishing legend. While you're on your fishing adventure, come take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Discover the first city on the Mississippi, Bemidji, one step further. Ask the Aquatic Biologist. Here he is, our resident aquatic biologist. Actually, he's Bemidji State University's resident aquatic biologist. We just borrow him occasionally. It's Dr. Andy Hafes. Andy, one of your students uh, asked about Asian carp. and We'll get into the uh, question of Asian carp in a second. But first, what is Asian carp and where are Asian carp? Do we, are, have they, I haven't heard much of them in our immediate area. I don't think they're in the immediate They're not in the immediate area yet. Okay. Right. And I don't It'll be interesting to see if they can make it this far up the Mississippi. But uh, the big head and the silver carp are the two uh, that would probably be considered the Asian carp. I guess you could throw grass grass carp into that as well. Uh, but all three of them were brought to the United States deliberately, right, on purpose, oh. uh, because people liked them where they were from, and uh, or they had some good attribute, so either uh, to eat them or to control vegetation, and a largely big river. Big rivers, specifically for the the big head and the silver, and the Mississippi waterway there is the biggest conduit throughout the country there is, right? So, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's where they're at, kind of what they're what they are. So, what is the concern? I mean, I know we we've talked about invasive species in general. Just it's just you don't want to do it. But what specifically about them is a big concern? 
Uh, I think a couple of things from what I've seen, and again, I'm definitely not an expert on invasive species, so uh, take that with a grain of salt, I guess. But they're capable of reaching extraordinary biomass in a system, right? So just giant weights of fish present in a particular stretch of river. And the energy that was used to develop that fish mass had to come from someplace. And so they're probably taking resources from some other portion of the ecosystem that should have been having that instead. Uh, they're planktivores, from what I understand, and so they eat you know, the zooplankton and things like that out of the water that we've talked about previously. And many other fish rely on those things, for, especially when they're in their larval stage. Most fish, in fact, rely on that okay. as a food source at an early life stage. So when you go back to a question we talked about a few weeks ago, when we talk about how difficult it is just to survive as a fish, then you add all these fish that weren't there before right. into, yeah. the, into the mix. Yeah, and so the uncertainty there and what's happening to these ecosystems is a huge concern uh, for people. And then remember when we talked about the zebra mussels a couple of weeks back, how they actually shifted the energy from one place to another. I'm sure that the Asian carp are doing the same. I'm just not sure where that shift is going. It's not as clear to me. Okay. And so in, when we talked about the zebra mussels, we talked about how walleye may be able to shift from zooplankton to insects for a food base early on in their life or a little earlier than they're used to. You know, And to compensate for that, that path and that switch in those fish is not as apparent to me. And okay. I'm having a tough time visualizing that, and that's a problem, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's what everybody's kind of concerned about is what is actually going to happen with this huge shift in energy. Okay. Uh, the question that – and you're not a policy guy. You're, you're a biologist. But the question she asked, do you think we will always try to remove them, or will they eventually just become part of a new normal? Yeah. Who asked this? I'm going to have to – This is Alicia. <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, give her a hard time for this, right? That's a <laughs> tough question. It is a tough question. Uh, you know – I, I don't think we'll be trying to remove them forever. I, I hope we're not. That would seem like an extraordinary waste of resources to do that every year. Yeah. Right? But um, it is entirely possible that we will be for a substantial amount of time. I guess I'm thinking about the sea lampreys, and they're still trying to remove those from the Great Lakes, right? Mm -hmm. And although they got a good handle on those and the influence that they're having on the system, it still is an enormous amount of resources every year that they put into that control and I hope we don't have to do that. Um, maybe we learn to uh, find a, a, that they're a good food source and we start to eat them instead, right? right. You know, or uh, some good use for them to, to make it a little bit more profitable. But I hope we don't. <laughs> well, I know, you know, anecdotally, I've heard of lakes up here where, you know, suddenly there were smallmouth bass or suddenly there was a muskie or two found in Lake Mobile, which we know that's not a natural place. People think they're smarter than they are, and they, they think, this is a great place to have smallmouth bass. I think we should do that. Some, it's been positive in some lakes, but again, you're, just, you're playing with fire, even though you're under the water. Yeah, and it also turns out that fish are really good at escaping things, too. <laughs> right? So I think that some of these actually happen from escapes from hatcheries. Oh, yeah. And things like that. Well, some so, of that, yeah, right. One flood event comes through. The hatcheries are generally near water, right? And But, yes, uh, adding new organisms into an ecosystem is always a risky thing. Okay. Yeah. And and so as far as the Asian carp go, they're coming up the Mississippi. 
and yep. that you said you'd be interested to see if they make it this far north. Yeah, I will be. That um, I don't know how they do with the cold, right? That might be one thing, and then there's lots of impediments along the way, dams and things like that that they would have to navigate through. So, so have they even made it into Minnesota at all, even in the southern part? I think so, yeah. Okay. I'm not 100% certain on that, but I think that they have down further south, yep. Okay. Dr. Andrew Haves, Bemidji State University's aquatic biologist, always facing the tough questions. Andy, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks again. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. My guest today is Dwayne Peterson, one of the founders of Northland Fishing Tackle and a National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame inductee. You know, Dwayne, one of the things you have always, always spoken of uh, since I met you was what you felt fishing really was, and it was a vehicle for relationships and a vehicle for families to spend time together. Then I go by your table at the uh, the Knights Columbus Walleye Classic, and there's Peterson after Peterson after Peterson, three generations. So uh, it, in your case, for sure, that that uh, that generation and that family togetherness, is fishing is key to that. Well, that's for sure. I, I, I have called fishing a vehicle to building relationships, not only with your family, but your, your friends. And, and uh, in, in my lifetime of fishing, I have gathered lifetime friends uh, through the fishing industry and through, you know, the neighborhoods. Uh, fishing is just a great lifetime sport that uh, we can enjoy no matter what our age is. And at whatever level of, of uh, involvement we want, you know, we don't have to all be avid, uh, hardcore fishing uh, five times a week. You can enjoy it uh, once a week or twice a month or whatever you want to do, and 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 get a lot of pleasure from it. So, so yeah, it's been a it's been a lifestyle for us, and and you know, my my best friends in fishing are my sons and my grandsons and my granddaughters, and fishing has helped that as has a lot of other things including athletics yeah absolutely absolutely and you know uh you had at the knights columbus walleye classic you had cousins teams you had uh, father-son teams um the only thing and and i've seen on social media those granddaughters can catch fish too when are they going to get involved in the in the tournaments well they definitely can fish and they run the boat themselves and they they uh they've been exposed to you know a fishing opportunity that's for sure and and uh, I'm not sure when we'll find room for them in the tournament boat, but uh, I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure it's on the horizon. That's for sure. Well, I, I, I they could beat me. That I know. <laughs> well, they they've had some experience with a fishing rod. That's for sure, and that's been been uh, enlightening for Grandpa. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I tell you, you know, I mean, uh, it's R- real girl, real girls fish. You know, that's right. That's right. And, <laughs> I, and we're seeing more and more of that. I mean, there's just a, a lot more of women finding their role in, in the professional, not just tournament circuit, but uh, as ambassadors for fishing and hunting. And uh, obviously, that's a great thing. Absolutely. No, it's a, it's a family sport, and, and you're seeing more and more of that. I think the the, uh, the guys and the gals gathering uh together and sharing sharing a boat and sharing a fishing experience and it's all good 
Well, Dwayne, you and, and John aren't there every day anymore, but I, I tell you that the, the theme of, Northwest, of uh, Northland Tackle, of being innovative, of being creative, of, of moving forward, continues on. Uh, they just keep coming up with great new ideas. Uh, anything that they've uh, come up with the last couple of years you really enjoy? Well, we've still got a half a foot in the door over there, John more than I do, and we're we're proud of the legacy that we that we created there at Northland, and and so appreciative of the support that we had from from so many people uh, in our community and throughout the the, the North Country and beyond. Uh, and I would say that the, you know the most exciting part, probably coming out of Northland, is the addition of, of Bagley Bates, and you've you've seen and heard about that endeavor. It was an acquisition that they made uh, to a to a balsa hardbait line that was. Uh, Many many decades old. It's an old company that uh, has is being revived, and Northland is is in the driver's seat with that. And I think they're having uh, a great success with it. It's a real diversity line, a very very diverse line of of balsa baits that that uh, compete in the you know in the crankbait topwater type market. And uh, I think that's probably the most exciting thing going on over there right now. Boy, I hear a lot about the Bagley baits. Yeah, from uh, from bass anglers primary, but now they've uh, they've developed some walleye uh, baits as well. They have, and and like I say, it's it's quite a diverse line of, of hard baits, and and uh, they're specialized, you know, specialized baits that are used in unique situations uh, that call for you know different. Uh, depth running baits or different uh, actions, uh, different colors. The, the, the color patterns are just unbelievable to see what they're doing with with colors and shades and and matching the hatch and uh, and even wild colors. You know, it's uh, one thing John and I learned a lot of years ago, and that was that pretty stuff, pretty stuff sells. <laughs> and you know, we way back in the day, we painted. We've painted slip sinkers, chartreuse and orange and and glow in the dark and and people laughed at the concept that we why would you ever paint a sinker? You know, the fish don't bite the sinker. But we painted sinkers and we could not for several years we couldn't we couldn't meet the demand for painted sinkers and they were pretty, you know, and in the same way with uh, with jigs and spinners, uh, the more color and the more brilliant they were and the shinier they were, the better they sold. And, and I think to some degree that this crankbait business has become a, uh, an art contest. The guy with the prettiest bait wins, you know. And, and that's one thing Bagley has. Is they, have they have unbelievable colors, patterns, and, and uh, they're, they're not only fish-catching machines, but they're very attractive. They're, they are. I mean, I... I think that uh, I think I could get all of them and put them on a board and hang it on my wall, and it'll look pretty impressive. Yeah, well, if the northern takes one uh, and cuts your line and takes your Bagley bait uh, or any crankbait for that matter, whether it's Rapala or Bagley or whatever, it's uh, eight ten bucks down the down the drain, you know. <laughs> yes. Well, listen, Dwayne, if we're going to head out fishing this week, uh, what are you hearing? I mean, are there any particular lakes that are real hot right now? I'm not hearing anything uh, particularly hot, uh, particularly if you're talking walleyes. But my my best advice, I think, is, is to is to follow your nose and and go to those lakes that you've had experience with. Be mobile. You know, I like uh, I like having one boat on the trailer so I can go where I want to go, and, and and also diversify 
your pursuit of species. You know, the, the pike on Lake Bemidji are scurvy, and there's a there's a there's all kinds of pike to be caught on Bemidji, and and a lot of the other lakes for that matter. Uh, but I, I I say go pursue something that's biting. The, the crappies and bluegills are still active on the shorelines or on the first break. Uh, it's not all about walleyes, but but you can catch them too if you if you uh, if you persist. And I know the guys are getting some you know trolling their hard baits at 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 dusk and an hour or two into the into the twilight hours uh, for walleyes. Uh, the summer bite has begun, and it's it's, it's in the, in some of the uh, activity that you can get rigging crawlers and. And uh, leeches right now is, you know, is stepping up, and, and bottom bouncers and spinners with crawlers is, is starting to kick in. But there's still fish to be caught. I'm talking walleyes caught shallow with a with a with a jig and a and a minnow of some type, or a jig and a plastic. And I'm amazed at how many fish were caught in the Casey walleye classic on Lake Bemidji that were caught in, in very shallow water. Always amazes me. So so I'm saying be diverse. Uh, don't bat your head against the wall if you can't catch some walleyes. Uh, go go fish some bass or some pike or some crappies or bluegills and, uh, and enjoy the experience. Absolutely. And, you know, um, uh, when it comes to walleyes, they've always primarily been a low-light uh, low type bite. Are you seeing it being even more low-light with the emergence of zebra mussels in more and more lakes, or has it not taken hold quite yet? You know, I had... A lot of experience this early season with shallow water fish, walleyes that should be off in 9 to 15 feet or 15 to 18 feet, and they were in 4 to 7. And and uh, the water was clear, the wind was calm, the sun was bright. Hmm. It's got a lot to do with where the forage is. You know, if there's if there's uh, young of the year perch in that shallow water, if there's shiners in that shallow water, if there's bolting crayfish in that shallow water, the walleyes are going to be there. The perch are going to be there. And I never write off that that shallow water, even though we've got water that's getting you know more and more clear because of zebra mussels. Uh, those fish go to shallow water to feed, and they're not so concerned about uh, about the sun. But the thing is. They're spooky, and you have to make long casts to them. You have to drag a long line, or you have to slip over them. If you cruise the shallow water on a bright day with a good pair of Polaroid sunglasses, you'll be surprised how many fish you'll see shallow. And we've gotten so a lot of the pre-fishing that we do in looking for, for walleyes on some of these lakes, we will cruise the shallow water and look for fish and try to find you know, a little pot of fish that we can sling back on and, and, and cast to or or throw slip bobbers at. So I'm not writing off that shallow water, Kevin, even if uh, even if the water is getting clearer and clearer. Before we wrap it up, Duane, is there anything out there that, that in particular that concerns you as a as a longtime angler and outdoor and outdoorsman? Well, for sure the invasive species we've we've beat that uh, horse for quite a while now, and I think we're doing a reasonably good job of, of uh, slowing it down. I don't think we can. I don't think we can eliminate it. I think we have to learn to live with it and and try to control it, uh, whatever it might be, whether it's zebra mussels or or milfoil or 
other uh, invasives. We've, we've got to figure out a way to, to coexist with it. And, and I'm confident that Mother Nature, she, she's going to make, uh, make it right. She'll figure out a way to balance the, the uh, invasives with, with our clean water. And so I think uh, invasive species is a concern for all of us, obviously. We all have to do our part. And, uh, and, and I think, secondly, the, the traffic, you know, we're putting a lot of pressure on our lakes, uh, in particularly with uh, the communicative networks that are out there and with the electronics that we're, we're now using and the mobility that we have to, to travel to various, you know, spots where the bike's going on. We've got a huge responsibility as, as fishermen to, to uh, help preserve this, this fishery and, and be... Uh, be conservative to some degree with the fish that we keep and kill, and and uh, I think that's the concern is the pressure and 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 even tournament fishing. You know, I love the tournament fish I have for for a long, long time, but, but sometimes we've got to put some limitations on how much pressure we put on these lakes. So I think that would be the second thing would be pressure, and and beyond that, I think it's all good, Kevin. I think we're we've just got a, a wonderful sport. We've got the people that fish are good people they they love the outdoors they're they're uh stewards of the environment and we're doing everything we can to you know to maintain our fisheries and and uh and keep it for for generation four you know i keep talking about generation one two and three and and the next thing we'll know we'll have to we'll have to save that fishery for generation four and and uh, in my lifetime anyway it's always a pleasure to be able to talk to Dwayne Peterson. Always got a lot of wisdom and great advice. Dwayne, thank you so much for the time today. It really enlightened us, and I really appreciate it. You're sure welcome. Wow, what a great way to start the week. Dwayne Peterson stopping by and sharing a lot of great stuff with us. It's going to be a good week this week. We've got a lot of great shows. John Williams is in to talk CWD and more wildlife stuff. I know we primarily talk fishing this time of year, but pretty soon it's going to be hunting season. A lot of you guys are out fishing right now. We're going to be hunting, and CWD is going to be a big factor here in Paul Bunyan country this fall. So we'll talk about that later on this week. We've got Tracy Pogan. He's uh, heading up the second annual United Way Fishing Tournament coming up in July. Nate Blazing is in to tell us about the Walleye Coalition, what they do and what they're about. And John Hoyer is over in Ohio getting ready for the latest National Walleye Tour stop on Lake Erie. We'll talk with him. And looking ahead to next week, we're going to have a great conversation with Hannah Mishler. She is the Conservation Officer of the Year, a canine conservation officer. We'll find out all about that. She's based out of Bemidji and Patrol's Paul Bunyan Country. I'm looking forward to that next week. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to the podcast so you can listen whenever it's convenient for you and get all the bonus content that sometimes doesn't make it onto the radio show. And there'll be bonus content this week, just so you know. That's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks for joining us. F-I-S-H-I-I-N Paul Bunyan Country